You are now listening to This and That, a podcast collaboration about some of everything that's anything with your hosts, David and Brenda. Now, let's get to talking about this and that. Hello, podcast listeners. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of This and That. It is April 13th, and today we are getting ready to get into episode 12 of This and That. You are listening to co-host Brenda, also known as Miss Brenbren. And this is David, a.k.a. The Professor. And we are excited to speak with you for another edition of our eclectic podcast, where we talk about everything that's... Anything. And, as we've said to you before, we are picking up listeners from all over the place. And so we want to give a few shout-outs to some of our locations. And first off, we have a shout-out to Durham, North Carolina. Shout-out to Pooler, Georgia. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Mountain View, California. And those are just places in the U.S. Internationally, we want to give a special shout-out to Madrid, Spain. And to Dublin, Ireland. It is very exciting that we, we continue to pick up listeners from all over the place. And that is because folks can listen on demand anytime, anywhere. And where can they listen on demand? On-demand locations, we have our home base, SoundCloud. Then, of course, iTunes, a.k.a. Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play Music, and TuneIn. And, oh, by the way, did we mention that we are now officially a weekly podcast? Still free. Yes, weekly and still free. And, oh, by the way, have we mentioned also that you can find us on Alexa. That's true. If you have an Alexa-enabled device, you can uh, load the Stitcher app for or Stitcher um, skill for Alexa and get to us that way. You just have to search for this ampersand that. So that's how you would do it. And you'll be good to go. Wonderful, wonderful. Now, if for some reason you cannot find us or subscribe to us on any of the um, streaming devices or streaming applications, uh, why don't you send us an email? And where would they send an email to? They would send an email to thisandthat at aboutgreatercincinnati.com. That's this, the letter N, that, all nine characters together, at sign, aboutgreatercincinnati.com. And if you send us an email and let us know that you want us to add you to our um, email distribution list, we'd be more than happy and excited to do so. Now, in addition to um, all of those uh, bits of information, why don't we give some congrats to Virginia? Yes. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. As Brent Brent and I predicted, a cat team, and if you've been listening to the podcast, we've explained 
why Virginia is an honorable mention cat team, and we've had this whole cat mascot teams versus people mascot teams going the entire uh, NCAA Final Four men's basketball tournament. So congrats to uh, Tony Bennett and the Virginia Cavaliers for uh, winning the tournament. Yes, and it was a good run by the Virginia team. So again, congrats to them. Now, um, as we like to say, we're an eclectic podcast where we talk about everything that's anything. So today, we're going to focus on more politics, politics, politics. Again, with apologies to Mel Brooks' History of the World Part 1. So what exactly are we going to talk about? Well, uh, we got to talk about what's hot with Radioactive, and that is... The Mueller report, not out yet, but it's hot. So that's what we're going to talk about, start off with. We're also going to get into some of the viral moments, and there were a ton of viral moments from all these hearings going on, but we have uh, a particular uh, clip to play where um, the chair, Maxine Waters, and Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin kind of got into it a bit. Uh, Also, from the You Asked, We Answer category, we've had um, folks write in and ask us about uh, what's impeachment all about, how does that work, things like that. So we're going to get into that. And of course, we close out with our ever-popular words of wisdom, and that is going to be a surprise. I have a very surprise source for words of wisdom, great words of wisdom, but not someone you would associate with um, words of wisdom. Let's just put it that way. Well, you're just going to have to stay tuned and find out what we are talking about. So, in the interest of time, should we get going with more politics, politics, politics? Absolutely. Let's get into the Mueller report. Or is it pronounced Mueller? It's Mueller. I don't know why. This man was FBI director. He was the longest running FBI director other than J. Edgar Hoover. So why the press acts like they don't know how to pronounce his name, I just don't get. Well, Or anybody else in Washington. They are acting like they don't know how to pronounce Robert Mueller's name. But that's what we're going to talk about under what's hot. So take it away, the professor. Okay, uh, let's, let's give the, the, the backstory on this. Uh, the Mueller investigation was launched some two-plus years ago, and the mandate was to look into whether or not President Trump and or his campaign uh, colluded with, conspired with the Russians uh, during the 2016 election and anything tangentially related to Russia-Trump campaign they could look at as well. Now, over that two years, do you recall how many people he interviewed? Oh, how many people were indicted, you mean? No, interviewed. Oh. Because they had to actually talk to people. Oh, we don't know because... Um, we, we don't know, and I don't want to steal my thunder on this. There were 2,800 subpoenas handed down, so... Usually subpoenas are tied to people, and there were five hundred, roughly five hundred search warrants. 
That's what that's what we know. So he talked to a whole bunch of people and gathered up a whole bunch of evidence. Let's just put it that way. But anyway, like you said, it took two years. Uh, yes, a little, little over two years. So um, with that, the Robert Mueller and his team of investigators wrapped up their investigation March 22nd of this year, 2019, and they turned over their report to the new Attorney General, William Barr. Uh, the size of, I've heard different things as far as how big this report is, since people have not seen it outside of the AG, his staff, the deputy AG, Rod Rosenstein, and maybe a few others. I've heard some people say it's a little over 400. I've heard other people say it's closer to 800 when you look at like um, footnotes and things like that. Who knows? There's a lot of hundreds of pages. Anyway, two days into this on the 24th, the Attorney General decided to release a four-page summary of Robert Mueller's conclusions. And it was four pages, but basically it had two conclusions. One, uh, there was, and these conclusions were his summary of, of uh, Robert Mueller's conclusions per the report, per bar. We haven't seen it. Um, no collusion with the Russians by President Trump or any member of his presidential campaign in 2016. That's conclusion number one. Conclusion number two is um, no conclusion on whether or not the president committed obstruction of justice with respect to trying to sabotage submarines, stop the, uh, the Mueller investigation and other tangential investigations into the 2016 activities. So I'll repeat that again. First was very clear, no collusion with the Russians, therefore no conspiracy, etc. No crimes associated with the president and his team with respect to dealing with the Russians to undermine the elections. Now Number the other thing to point out here, not that I'm trying to um, get too far ahead, but he gave a summary of the, conclusions, of the conclusions, not of the report. Right, and he never said he would not submit to Congress or whomever the full report. Yes, but this is Washington. It's all politics. And William Barr has been attorney general before. He was attorney general before for um, Bush 41, Daddy Bush, her George Herbert Walker Bush. And this is part of why the Democrats... Don't, they don't trust him because he was around during the end game times around the um, Iran-Contra investigations. And in the interest of time, I'm not going to get into that. That was like arms, arms giving the, the Iranians arms for in exchange for money that then was funneled to the Contras in Central America because the Reagan administration was trying to, well, not trying, they were circumventing a law Congress passed to end our support for the Contras in Central America. So they were basically breaking the law on a lot of different fronts. And Barr came in and um, kind of, he didn't whitewash it, but he kind of massaged things a bit and everything else. So the Dems don't trust them because of what happened back then in the late 80s, early 90s um, on, on that, that front. So yes, you're correct. Brenda is a long-winded way of saying, yes, you're correct with that, but he should have known his own history, and he should know that despite 
how the Democrats were acting before Robert Mueller was done, it the, the knives were going to come out. So he should have, if I, if he, he should not, in my opinion, have put out a four-page summary the way he put it out. He should have said, "Here's a process I'm going down, and y'all are just going to have to wait." That's what I would have done. Who cares about the interest or anything else? I would have just said, "Here's the process," because the process looks pretty decent. He's redacting it because they're and they're yeah he's redacting the report. The Democrats want to see the full report, and redacting is basically blotting out set whole sections of it for various reasons. And I, I get into that because there are four types of redactions that the attorney general said would happen, and and the report will be color coded, and it'll have notes as to okay you have this color code and here's here's why this was done. So the four types of redaction, and there's some other things with that. So the process is pretty good. You have to see when the report comes out, if it lives up to it or not, or if it looks like some kind of whitewash. We don't know. But four types of redactions. The first type is sensitive intelligence information, meaning classified intelligence sources and methods, as they call it, meaning how do they spy, who, do they, who are their informants, things like that. Those are going to be redacted. And those redactions are not even going to be done by the Justice Department, Attorney General Barr, Rod Rosenstein, anybody else. They're going to be done by professionals in the intelligence community, probably the CIA, the FBI. So that's not even in the, the hands of the Attorney General. So that's the first type. People are generally, that's non-controversial, except, you know, the cable news shows that try and make everything something. But that's pretty non-controversial. The second bit of redactions are grand jury material. Now, there's this Rule 6E as an elephant that's part of the Federal Rules of Criminal Procedure. And in plain English, it says that all grand jury matters must remain secret. And there's a good reason to keep them secret. The grand juries are investigative tools. When you watch some of these TV shows like Law and & Order and the like, you just get the impression that prosecutor comes in and says, here's what I want to do and they just kind of rubber set. That's not what they are, when, especially in the federal courts. When you want to investigate something, you have to have a grand jury. So if there's not a grand jury looking into something at the federal level, there's no real investigation going on. And the people who make up the grand jury are normal citizens, just like you have jury duty for you know regular state, local stuff. You have jury duty at the federal level, and it's the grand jury, which could take a while. And they are an investigative body. So these folks, normal people, they get to ask questions, look at the evidence, and move the investigation along. And all that stuff is secret because they look into a ton of different things, and they may investigate somebody who's completely innocent. But you don't want, so you don't want to throw their name out there with some great crime. I mean, think like Bernie Madoff. If there was somebody whose name might have come out with the Bernie Madoff stuff, but they're completely innocent. You know that the press and everybody else, they would just, just run with it. So that's, and there are lots of different reasons, but it's things like that, you want to keep the grand jury testimony secret. Now, the Democrats will say that when the Ken Starr report about Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky and Whitewater and all that came out, they got an exception from the judge to release the grand jury material. And you can always get an exception for a variety of reasons. The um, bar has basically said, this doesn't rise to the level as far as he's concerned, so he's not going to look into that. The Democrats may sue, and the grand jury stuff may come out. Who knows? So that's the second type. 
The third type is if they're ongoing criminal investigations, you don't want to let the targets of those know they're being investigated because they might start covering stuff up or, you know, witness tampering, who knows what. So that stuff has to stay covered up and, and redacted. And again, that's non-controversial as well. So we've got two non-controversial pieces. Grand jury's kind of on the fence. The big fight's going to be over this fourth category of redactions, and that's information infringing on the private rights of quote-unquote peripheral third parties. And this is nebulous because it's like, who's a peripheral third party? Jared and Ivanka, are they peripheral third parties? Some people would say yes, other people would say no, they're players. So that's where the fight's going to be. Who, and, if, and if there are lots of redactions and they have to do with that fourth category, uh, it's going to be even a bigger political fight than it is already, in my opinion. Well, hopefully Barr will come out with this report real soon. Well, this week sometime it's supposed to come out. This week, you know, we'll have to see. This week, early next week, uh, is when he told a uh, congressional committee that it would come out. So, um, other things going on with that is basically, as I've mentioned, the Democrats don't trust them. They want an unredacted report. And um, other people on Mueller's team, we don't know who, didn't like his four-page summary and leaked to the press that they didn't like his four-page summary. But because of secrecy rules, they couldn't really tell the, the, um, the journalists what they had a beef about. So we really don't know, and anybody who's told you something in, in the press about here's what they had a problem with, that's complete speculation. We don't know what they had a problem with. And that's pretty much it for the Mueller report in a nutshell, 30,000 feet. Well, I, like I said, I just hope he comes out with the report real soon. And it doesn't matter whether it's the Dems in office or the Republicans in office. They'd still be having this contentious kind of fight to say we're not getting what we need to get and we're not getting it fast enough. Doesn't matter which off which party is in office, they'd be saying it. Well, hypocrisy in Washington, say it ain't so. Yeah, well, that's why but nothing it, gets done. Well, it, well, and and we know that we it's this is not theory. We know again going back to Clinton, a lot of these people like um, Jerry Nadler, the head of um, the Judiciary Committee in the House, twenty years ago, he was on the complete one eighty opposite side of this. His arguments were, were like the, the Trump administration's arguments. And he's got to say, no, no, this is why his position is different. He's just not being intellectually dishonest and partisan. Okay, whatever. So, like I, mean, I it's, said, it's, it's Washington. It's Washington. This kind of stuff goes on. We just need to keep our eyes open, make our own judgments, and go forth and well, from there. The, the big thing on this, and then we'll, we'll, we'll have to close out in the interest of time, the disappointing thing is the election was, you had hanky-panky, you had hacking, you had interference, but everybody wants to get their pound of flesh out of Trump instead of looking at, gee, what happened and how can we prevent it? Because... These folks are going to keep going, and not just the Russians. I mean, everybody's going to look at what the Russians did and go, hmm, can I, you know, screw with the American elections or screw with the American political system some other kind of way based on what they see happening or not happening, as the case may be. And to me, that's a disappointing thing. I'm hoping the report talks 
about those details and has recommendations as to how to mitigate that in the future, but I don't hold out hope on it. Well, when the report finally comes out, I'll let you read it and then just film you. <laughs> I'll let people know. Okay. So, were we in Vegas not too long ago when Maxine Waters and Steve Mnuchin were, like, in the ring? Oh, you mean let's get ready to rumble? Is that what you trying to say? You need Michael Buffer? <laughs> That's kind of like what it seemed like on TV if you were watching that hearing. Yeah, that was that was one of those um, get your popcorn out kind of moments. All right, so let's talk about what really happened. Give us a little bit of a backstory and then play the the recording. Well, Maxine Waters chairs the um, House Committee on Financial Services, and as such, she has oversight responsibilities, as you would expect, of the U.S. Treasury and its Treasury Secretary. Steve Mnuchin. And Maxine Waters is the congresswoman from California? California, um, L.A. area, part of that area. And she's been a congresswoman for 28 plus years? Uh, you are absolutely correct. Okay. That's part of the backstory. Yes. And um, so she's, she's been around, a, a, and she was in politics before then too. So she's, she is no newcomer, and if you don't know Maxine Waters, she is not afraid of anybody. So that you got to keep that in mind as well. Oh, so, and you also need to keep in mind, if you don't know who Maxine Waters is, she's a sister. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So... Um, I didn't say sister. <laughs> I said sister. Yes. Okay. So with, with that in mind... The hearing, this hearing, which was, you know, normal, they have periodic hearings and like, and uh, this was the first one, I believe, since the, the Democrats have taken over the House. Mnuchin's been going down periodically, but this is the first one with, with Maxine Waters in charge, or any Democrat in charge. Uh, the hearing was slated to go five hours, but typical D.C. was going past five hours, and Maxine Waters wanted to keep the thing going because... They still had uh, questions. There were still members of the committee on both sides of the aisle, so Republicans and Democrats, that hadn't gotten to, to ask whatever questions they had for Mnuchin and his staff or anybody else. So with that in mind, this is where uh, we're going to start off this recording. Now, this recording goes on for a while. Trust me, it's worth it. But you have to build up to everything that's going on. Uh, you had indicated that you would like to have a press conference uh, in this room following... No, I, I'm, I'm going to cancel that. I don't have time for that, so I'm uh, not Well, that's what I was going to ask you, if you would, uh, instead of having the press conference uh, continue uh, with those uh, members who have been waiting here for so long. Uh, and I think what I thought I originally heard was 5.30 rather than 5.15. So is it possible you could give us another 15 minutes to get to no, these I, I have a foreign leader waiting in my office at 5.30, okay? I agreed to stay longer. It, it will be embarrassing if I keep this person waiting for a long period of time. I wasn't going to have a press conference. I was going to have a short press gaggle. I'm not going to do that. And I've assured you I'm happy to come back here and answer more of your questions. I respect 
the committee, and we want to have a good working relationship with you. So I, I, I hope you'll understand I'm already going to be late to um, my 5.30 meeting. I do understand. We're late all the time, unfortunately. We're all pressed for time, and I do get it. Uh, however, uh, I think I indicated early on uh, that we would request or require uh, that you come back at least two more times in the month of May. Is that something you're agreeing to? No, Ma Madam Chair, I find this to be, you know, I, I have here every single time Jack Lew and other people came here. There's never been anybody that's been here more than three hours and 15 minutes. I've sat here for over three hours and 15 minutes. I've told you I'll come back. I, I just don't believe we're sitting here negotiating when I come back. We'll follow up with your office. How long would you like me to come back for next time? I've told you I'll accommodate you. I appreciate that, and I appreciate your... Uh, reminding us of the length of time other uh, secretaries have been here. This is a new way, and it's a new day, okay, well, and it's a new chair, okay, and well, I have the gavel at this point. If you wish to leave, you may. Uh, can you clarify that for me? Yes, clarify. Is so, this, so if I'm you wish to leave, you may. Okay, so we're, you're, we're dismissed. Is that correct? If you wish to leave, you may leave. I don't understand what you're saying. You're wasting you to, your time. Don't rem remember you have a, a foreign dignitary in your office. I, I would just say that the previous administration, when the Republicans, they did not treat the Secretary of the Treasury this way. So if this is the way you want to treat me, then I'll rethink whether I voluntarily come back here to testify, which I've offered to do. Um, Mr. Secretary, I want you to know that no other secretary has ever told us the day before that they were going to limit their time in the way that you're doing. So if you want to use them as examples, you have acted differently than they have acted. And as, about, as I have said, if you wish to leave, you may. If you'd wish to keep me here so that I don't have my important meeting, and continue to grill me, then we can do that. I will cancel my meeting and I will not be back here. I will be very clear. That's the way you'd like to have this relationship. Thank you. The gentleman, the secretary, has agreed to stay to hear all of the rest of the members. Okay, Please so cancel just your meeting the press. and respect our time. I, I am Who is next on the list? My foreign meeting. You're, you're instructing me to stay here and I should cancel. No, you just member. made me an offer. No, I didn't make you an you offer. You made me an offer that I accepted. I, I did not make well, you an offer. Just let's be clear. Well, you're you, instructing me. You are ordering me to stay here. No, I'm not ordering you. I'm responding. Okay. I said you may leave anytime you want. And you said, okay, if that's what you want to do, I'll cancel my appointment and I'll stay here. So I'm responding to your request. If that's what you that's want to do. That's not what I want to do. I told you. What would you like to do? What I've told you is I thought it was respectful that you'd let me leave at 515. You are free to leave anytime you want. You okay, may go well then, uh, anytime please. you want. Please dismiss everybody. I believe you're supposed to take the gravel and, and bang it. That's Please do not instruct me as to how I'm to conduct this committee. Okay, folks. <laughs> you're supposed to take the gravel? Yes. <laughs> That's how discombobulated he is. Isn't gravel a little piece of dirt? Well, asphalt, whatever, stone. Yeah, yeah. She didn't... <laughs> As, as 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 Maxine Waters says, she has the gavel as the chair, not the gravel. But um, 
Okay. So, so did Steve Mnuchin not know who he was dealing with? See, that's what's funny about this because before he was in the Trump administration, Steve Mnuchin uh, was a hedge fund guy, and after making lots of money in hedge funds, like a lot of these folks, say, it was like, what else? Where else can we put our money? And he started producing uh, TVs and movies, and we're talking legit movies, like you know, summer blockbuster movies. If you look closely enough at some, you'll see Steve Mnuchin's name under executive producer. So he, he, he knows or should know out there in California who Maxine Waters is because I can't believe she's not on local news all the time. So I, I just find that crazy. But even if he didn't, you, you don't try and run somebody's committee because these people who run these committees... It's it's seniority system, so they've been around. This is not their first rodeo, and you're not gonna win. It's well, like she just basically let him, you know, keep taking more and more rope to hang himself. Well, obviously Steve Mnuchin in his power play did not know that. It's like he didn't understand into, that. Yeah, don't his get into power plays. Did with not people. school him oh. as to how he should um, operate. While he was in this hearing. Well, I mean, his aides probably aren't... I, I, I don't know, just for a fact. I don't know who his aides are, if they've been around before or not. But clearly, under, you know, Republic, the Republicans, when they were running committees, let, let him and other people do whatever they wanted. They should know this is just not going to fly now. And speaking of aides, if you watch the clip, you will see behind Maxine Waters, who's is in the, the, the high chair as the, the chair of the committee... She's got, you know, an aide to either side, um, uh, and the, the, the guy on, there's a, there's a black female behind her on, to, when you're looking to on, on Maxine Waters' left behind her, and another guy on her right. The guy on the right, you can see, he is just trying not to crack up and laugh. He's hiding behind the chair, because he's like, I can't believe this guy is doing this. This is crazy. So... Yeah, and Mnuchin's aides, when they the, the C-SPAN shot shows them, they just look like, you know, deer in the headlights. They have no clue what hit them. Well, one thing is for sure. If I ever have to go into a hearing with Maxine Waters, I am going to be on my best, put my best foot forward, and I am not going to piss her off. Well, well and, and that gets us to what really happened. What really happened is you had uh, a guy... Basically, pissing off a sister. You don't do this. You do not mess with a black woman, especially a black woman with the gavel, with power. <laughs> nah, he, he should not have done that. And um, if he didn't learn his lesson this time, he'll learn it again if he's in a room with her. Because I am sure this is not the first time that these two will cross paths. You ask, we answer. We've had uh, folks, because of all the things going on um, in cable news, pre-Mueller report, maybe even post-Mueller report, uh, asking, what's impeachment anyway? How does it work? So this is really going to be the short and sweet tour of what impeachment is about. And impeachment is spelled out in the U.S. Constitution it's a way to remove the president 
for quote-unquote high crimes and misdemeanors. Now, that sounds legalistic, but the first lesson you should uh, in just imbibe in your mind about impeachment is it is 100% a political process. There ain't nothing legal about it, per se. It's legal, small l. It's not legal, like, law and order legal. It is completely political process. So it starts in the House of Representatives with the Judiciary Committee. They would draft, quote-unquote, articles of impeachment. And the way to think about articles of impeachment is, if you want to use a, a legal analogy, that's like they open up an investigation. And it would open up an investigation. They'd have to have something, some kind of um, pretext or something that rises to the level of high crimes and misdemeanors per se to look into. And they would draft up those articles. And then within the committee, they would decide, you know, up or down vote if, they, if it got that far. Should they proceed and move it to the floor of the House for a vote to impeach? Uh, and this is what happened. Uh, it's only happened twice before in our history. One is uh, with Andrew Johnson, who um, became president after Abraham Lincoln. Nobody liked him. Just leave it at that. And then with Bill Clinton, because of the Monica Lewinsky thing, Republicans were like, he lied under oath. We got to do something. So they went through an impeachment process uh, in the House, and he was impeached. So those are the only two presidents that have been impeached. Um, now, if it moves to the floor of the House, and they have a vote, and they impeach um, they vote to impeach. Then what happens is every, all the action moves to the Senate. The president's still the president. It moves to the Senate. Then the Senate has to decide, is the president guilty or not guilty of these articles of impeachment? And in the case of both Andrew Johnson and Bill Clinton, the Senate decided the president was not guilty. So they were not removed from office, neither one of them. We've never had a president removed from office through impeachment. And this is where folks get confused, thinking if somebody's impeached, that means you're removed. No, it means it moves to the Senate, and they have kind of like a trial, and think of it in legal terms, and then the Senate votes up or down um, to remove the president or not. So that, in a nutshell, is how impeachment works. Now, can I ask a question? Of course. Impeachment is not just a U.S. thing, but Congress. Correct? I mean, everybody goes about impeachment, have their own impeachment process, but impeachment is, just, is not just a U.S. congressional thing. Well, it's not, a US, it's not a U.S. congressional thing, but it is primarily a U.S. thing because in, in parliamentary systems, you have what's called a vote of no confidence because they have a majority rule system and the political party that gets the most votes in parliament, that person of the head of that party who has to be a member of parliament gets invited by whoever is the, the um, they separate the, the head of state and the people of power. So in the U.S., the president is the head of state as well. But in other countries, the president doesn't have any real power. They're just, you know, the ceremonial head. So you either have like a, 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 the, a president or you have some royalty that has no power like the Queen of England. They invite whoever, whoever wins to form the government. And that government has a majority. But in the parliamentary system, if things hit a snag, you can throw in uh, a vote to have no confidence. And what no confidence does is it quote unquote brings down the government. 
So that's, they don't have impeachment because they don't need to. There are other places that have presidents kind of like us, and they have impeachment. And then states and local municipalities, we've got judges can be impeached. Not, every, not everybody has, in some places they call it recall. You can recall people. It's the same kind of thing. All right. Well, you ask, we answer. Finally, we are at our words of wisdom, and I kept it a big secret as to who this week our words of wisdom uh, were going to come from. And who is that person? In keeping with our politics, politics, politics theme, we have none other than Richard Nixon, President Richard Nixon, a.k.a. Tricky Dick, has our words of wisdom. I know, I know, this seems bizarre. Yeah, that seems kind of bizarre since he resigned. Yes, he resigned so that he would not be impeached. A lot of people think Richard Nixon was impeached and that's why he left office. Again, he wasn't even impeached. He was going to be impeached. Um, the writing was on the wall, so to speak. I'm not going to get into that in the interest of time. And so he resigned and left. And I have excerpts here to play from his farewell speech to the White House staff in August of 1974, because there's some very good nuggets in here uh, as far as words of wisdom. So with that, we will get to Richard Nixon, August 1974. It's only a beginning, always. The young must know it. The old must know it. Because the greatness comes not when things go always good for you, but the greatness comes and you're really tested when you take some knocks, some disappointments, when sadness comes. Because only if you've been in the deepest valley can you ever know how magnificent it is to be on the highest mountain. Always give your best Never get discouraged. Never be petty. Always remember, others may hate you. But those who hate you don't win unless you hate them. And then you destroy yourself. Okay, so very good nuggets in there. Don't hate your enemies because... In the end, you will destroy yourself through your own hatred. That's And in the Christian sense, that's where the whole turn the other cheek and they're like, that is why that's from. That's what that whole wisdom is about. Hatred will, you will end up destroying yourself and your immortal soul. So we have that. Um, whole lot of other things. Always do your best. Again, failure, disappointment, and the like. That's part of the process. You, you don't know what real joy and um, fulfillment is unless you've gone way, way down into the depths of despair because as he said, then you know when you're at the, the mountain, you know how deep that valley was and you're very much more appreciative of being on the top of that mountain. And that is what I would say would be my key takeaway from what, he's, what he talked about to the staff as he was leaving the White House is... You know, sometimes you're going to be in this really, really 
dark hole. And you just got to keep digging yourself out of it in a positive way so that when you finally see the sun, that makes it feel even better. When you have that sun beaming down on you because you've reached success. So that would be the big takeaway for me. Absolutely. Well, again, a lot of good nuggets there. Um, and again, you just never know where you might get words of wisdom from. As I like to say, everybody you can learn something from everybody, no matter who they are. And that's and a perfect example. Yes, that is a perfect example. Because who would have ever thought Richard Nixon would be our words of wisdom for today? Well, I guess that brings us to the end of episode 12, does it not? It does indeed. So, I think we can say it's a wrap, and um, folks may be wondering what we're going to talk about next time. Okay, I won't say a word, uh, except to say, tune in next time, and you'll hear what we're going to be talking about. Because on This and That, we talk about everything that's anything. So, until then... All the best. Peace out. Bye, folks. You have been listening to This and That, a podcast collaboration about some of everything about anything. This has been hosted by David and Brenda and is presented by AboutGreaterCincinnati.com Music by Poddington Bear Please subscribe to our podcast so that you can stay up to date about future episodes If you have any comments or suggestions about this episode future episodes interested in sponsorship and or advertising please email us at this and that at about greater cincinnati.com all rights reserved thank you and all the best